Just joking. So, uh, good morning, or good evening, sorry. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so whatever time of day is whatever time of day is. I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, I'm going to finish tonight's, this month's series, which is called Once Upon a Time, where I'm going through the parables of Jesus, four of them at least, uh, and just going into the wisdom that he shared. It's, it's always been one of my favorite parts of the Bible, uh, the parables, because he tells these amazing stories that have layer upon layer of meaning in which he was sharing the wisdom of the kingdom of heaven, the way to get to heaven, the way to be like him through a story. And it's so cool and so amazing. And I'm attracted to that because I'm a quote unquote writer myself. And so it's just amazing to see how wonderful he was at it, obviously. Uh, and so, so far we've talked about uh, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the idea that, that we should always be seeking after the lost. Uh, seeking after helping the people who need help, the people who uh, are, are abused, the people who are hurt, the people who are shoved aside, the people who are not in the majority, how we should be helping them, how we should be showing them God's love all of the time. Uh, we've talked about forgiveness and about living forgiveness, about the fact that we are forgiven for so much when we ask. It's insane if you think about your life and the times that you've messed up, the times that you've on purpose messed up, and the fact that when you ask for forgiveness, he gives it to us. And it's so cool and so beyond anything any other religion has or, or preaches. And we have to then show that to literally everyone we meet, whether we like them or not, whether we agree with them or not. Because Jesus said over and over again, including in this parable, if you don't forgive, then how can you expect to be forgiven? And then last week, we talked about the, the vineyard and how the workers came at different times and how the first workers who were there all day, they were more concerned with hoping other people got less than with the fact that they got what they were promised. Because as humans, we screw that up a lot, uh, whether you're a Christian or not. As humans, we often worry so much about what's going on in other people's lives, whether they have exactly what we have, whether we have more, uh, whether we're keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses, so to speak. We're so concerned with that that we forget why we're here in the first place, the fact that we're supposed to show Jesus to all of them. And so I want to go with one more parable to wrap this up. And this is the parable of the 10 bridesmaids uh, in Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Uh, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So right away, it wasn't that five, uh, the, the Jesus decided, well, hey, these five are going to be foolish no matter what, and these five are going to be wise no matter what. He tells how they are wise. Basically, the, the five wise ones were prepared. They're like, hey, it may not go exactly according to plan. Life may not be exactly what we expect. And so we're going to be extra prepared. We're going to be ready for any eventuality. And the other five were like, yeah, life is life. Like, it is what it is. You only live once and things like that. YOLO, hashtag. Uh, and before I go on, I want to talk about Jewish weddings because reading that, if you've ever been to a wedding in your life, uh, it, it's not something that we're used to. It's like, well, the bridegroom, where is he that they don't know when he's going to be? Like, why doesn't he just call up? Why doesn't he send a text? Whatever. Well, for one, they didn't have electricity then. But for two, Jewish weddings were really, really different. So it, start, it was in three parts always, and it started with the engagement. And the engagement is basically the bridegroom, uh, or the groom as we call him, would go to the, the bride's father and be like, hey, I'll give you 
three sheep and two goats to, to marry your wife. Not a great system, but it is what it is then. And so he'd do that. They'd come to an agreement and then uh, they'd go through vows or, or like the promise where they would stand before God and, and they would say uh, whatever it is they say for the wedding, similar to what we do now, but not quite. And then the third part would be a year later. So between the vows and the, the actual marriage, like the bridegroom would go off to prepare a place. He would go off to get, make sure he had a job, make sure he had finances, make sure he had a home, make sure that he could pro provide for his wife, for his future family. And, and the, the bride would wait there with her, her bridesmaids and, and they would just kind of wait for him to come back. They'd continue living their lives. And so that's why the bridesmaids are in the situation. Basically, uh, they had pretty much a, a, the year to, to when he was going to be back. But like I said, there's no cell phones, there's no computers, there's no way to contact other than like sending a pigeon or a raven or a donkey with a message, something like that. Things I still do. Doesn't always work. And, and, and those, they, so they were waiting and they knew that the time was close, but they didn't know exactly when it would be. And so he's coming back and they're like, ah, you know, he'll be here. And back to the five wise ones, they were like, man, he might be a day or a couple days or a week late or something. We got to be ready. And the other ones are like, ah, we'll get it when we get it. Like, we'll do what we do. Uh, we'll copy off somebody else. We'll, we'll prepare the day of the test rather than the day before. We will forget studying. Like, we'll just be there and we'll hope the teacher really likes the apple that we bring in. Something like that. And so we continue. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. Now you can read this. If you're sympathetic to the foolish ones, you can read this with the kind of... Uh, uh, well, the kind of judgment where you're like, oh, look at them, like they had enough oil and they're not sharing, like that's junk. But what actually is happening here is the ones who were prepared had just enough oil for them to get to where they're going. Otherwise, they wouldn't make it. And so had they given their oil, which they didn't have enough of, then none of them would make it. And so it's not that they're like, yeah, you guys should have prepared, like sucks to suck. Like it wasn't anything like that. They were just saying, we literally cannot, but go, hurry, go to a shop. Maybe you can make it in time. There's no anger there. There's no resentment. It's just them doing whatever they can do because, and you know, this is Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven and about our salvation and, and, and about our life and about how we live for him. We can't give someone else our faith. We can give them the experience of our faith. We can share our story. We can share our salvation in that way, but we cannot save them. We cannot make them ask for forgiveness. We cannot make them change their life. Uh, if you're a parent and you're watching, you know, that's one of the most frustrating things about parenthood is you can't make decisions for your kids. And kids, I know that it gets super annoying when your parents are like, Oh, yeah, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you've got to wait till you're older. And that's so annoying. And believe me, I get it. My mom still says stuff like that. Hi, mom. Just joking. Kind of. But anyway, like we have we have those kind of feelings and, and it sucks and it hurts and it's annoying and all of that. But your parents and this is where I support your parents. Your parents are giving you the benefit of their experience because they can see down the path from where certain decisions go. And sometimes it's because they made the wrong decision in their life and they want to spare you 
that pain. But even in that, they know that they can never make all of the decisions for you. Just like if you have a friend who doesn't live like you, or maybe they're making a lot of dumb choices right now, and they're not doing the right thing, and they're just getting themselves in trouble all the time. They're sneaking out. They're going to parties. They're doing crazy things. Uh, whatever it is, you can't ever tell them how to live well, you can tell them, but you can't make them follow that. And that's frustrating, not just for parents, not just for us. It's frustrating all of the time because there's always a, a point where we're like, I wish that I could make this decision for someone else. And I think we've all felt that way. And we've all had people feel that way about us because we've all made the wrong decision. We've all screwed up. We've all been dumb. Uh, one of the things that I like to say is people are stupid because people are stupid a lot of the time. And, and so it's impossible to make that decision, to make that, that moment, to, to make that life change. That does not mean don't talk. It doesn't mean don't advise. It doesn't mean don't help. It doesn't mean don't share. It means you can't give someone else your faith. You can only live that faith and help them. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, he's saying, hey, you can only wait so long. Now, as long as there is life, there is hope. As long as we are alive, there's a chance. As long as, as we are living in this life, then we have a chance for forgiveness. We have a chance for salvation. We have a chance to make a difference. We have a chance to do the right thing. We have a chance to change. But we don't know when that is going to happen. Uh, one more part of the scripture. Uh, but while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. For those who... Then those who were ready to uh, went, went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Again, this wasn't him being a jerk. This wasn't him saying, oh, I'm going to play a joke on them. It's him literally in the, the middle of the night not being able to see who it is because they didn't have enough oil because the, the door was locked. Because as you know, if you're going to a movie or you're going to school or you're going to work, there's a set time for things. And yeah, sometimes you can be late, but there's a certain point where there's no return. There's a certain point where you're so late that it doesn't matter anymore. Like if you are running late for school, and I know that that seems weird now because you haven't had like physical school for 17 years right now, but let's imagine the world where school comes back, and it will, I promise, I hope it will. Uh, and so let's imagine where school comes back. And so school starts at, uh, this is where I'm going to show my age because I don't remember, let's say 8.30. Uh, and so let's say that school starts at 8.30. And so you wake up at 8 o'clock and you're like, ah, I'll be a little bit late today. Like mom and dad are already at work and, and I'll be okay. I can drive. I'm cool. And, and so you uh, go back to sleep and then it's like 9.30 and you're like, ah, I don't like this class anyway, it's just the first day, who cares? And then all of a sudden it's like 2.15, and school ends at 2.20 or something like that. Well, you know, you've missed your chance at the day of school. This is not something you should try, just trust me on this. But the point is, there's a certain amount of time that we have to do things. There's a certain amount of time in this life that we have. And so the meaning of this parable is fairly clear on the main level, where Jesus is saying, you have a set amount of time in this life. Uh, you don't know how long that's going to last. Now, he's talking about his return, about when the, the bridegroom will come back, uh, about the second coming, about when Jesus will, will make everything good again, better again, where he will uh, open the gates to heaven and heaven will be on earth and all these amazing things in Revelation. Revelation's not scary. It's actually awesome. And all of those things. We don't know when that will happen on purpose because, and this goes to the bridesmaids again, if we knew exactly 
when he was going to come back, if we knew exactly when our life was going to end, if we knew exactly how long we had, most people, not everybody, but most people would wait until about a minute beforehand in order to ask for forgiveness, to change their life, to do anything good. They would wait because that's what people do because we are lazy and we are selfish and we do all of these things for ourselves and we like to put things off. Uh, we, we put off our homework. We put off our tests. Personally, I've put off writing for so long that I'm not even sure I know how to spell words anymore because there's always going to be another time. There's always more time. And Chicago Fire is really good or, or some other show is really good. Video games are really cool. And it's like, well, this is more fun than writing and sitting there and staring at a page, which makes me sound old, but a computer screen. And, and we do stuff like that. And our life would be no different because we've all had those moments where we have something big to prepare for. And sometimes we work early and it's like, okay, I've got to get this down. But a lot of the time we put it off and Jesus knows that. And so it's for us that this uncertainty happens. And so we don't know when he will come back. We just know that he will. And this parable is saying that it's like, hey, the five that were ready, they were ready. Like they didn't know when it was either. And they didn't have any special preparation that the other five had. They just knew that they didn't know. And so they tried their best. They did a little extra. They waited. They were prepared. And so for our lives, we have to be prepared. And that is, again, the main level of this parable. But there's also more here. And this is where the whole series hopefully comes together. Because we don't know how long we have in this life. But we also don't know how long anyone else has. Uh, I was raised by my great-grandparents, and I've talked about this from time to time. My, after my freshman year in college, like 1937, I uh, came back to, to Seymour, Indiana, the bustling metropolis that it is, and, and I found out that my great-grandpa, who, again, was part of the, the pair that raised me, uh, he was in the hospital. Now, I didn't know why he was in the hospital. Nobody really told me. They just said, hey, uh, he's in the hospital. You should go see him. And so I went to go see him. And, and you know, I talked to him. Uh, I was with one of my friends, and they kind of waited in the car while I talked. And, you know, I, I just, I remember standing in the hospital room and talking with him and just not thinking, well, you know what? I'm never going to see him again. But that was the last time I ever talked to him because he died in just a couple hours, and I had no idea. And I'm so glad that I went there. And his final words to me, if you want to know, were, stay away from girls, they're trouble. You know, he was in his 80s, but it is what it is. Uh, and so, and he, apparently he said that to a lot of girls too, because they stayed away from me, just joking. But anyway, uh, it, it was something where it was special to me because I had that moment. And even though I was incredibly sad and I cried when I got the call that he had passed and I had no idea it was coming, so it was shocking and it hurt. I still knew that I had been able to talk to him. And I said, I love you one more time. We don't always get that. Uh, when my great-grandma passed 13 years later uh, in, in 2011, right after IU beat Kentucky, and I say that because it was the last time we were alive for and also because of IU beat Kentucky, which was awesome. But that was, she was a big IU fan. I'm a big IU fan. That was the last moment we shared, but we didn't really share it because she was unconscious that whole weekend. And so I can remember being there in the room with her. And, and I remember the, the last day she was alive, my mom and, and her daughter, my grandma's daughters and some other members of the family, uh, they were there just kind of sharing stories. And yet we didn't have that moment to talk to her. Now, I was with her a lot. I went to visit her every day. Uh, and, and so I had several moments with her. I'd had the opportunity to take care of her uh, in, in her old age with Alzheimer's and all these things. But 
I didn't know that there was going to be this moment that she was going to fall asleep and then never wake up again. And I say those two stories because those are two very important people in my life. And I feel good about my relationship with each of them. And they are the ones that got me in church. They are the ones that helped me to, to be who I am. And yet I didn't know when that time was going to end. Uh, there have been other people in my life that I, they left for various reasons or they did pass or they moved or something like that. You never know. And I'm not saying this so you're scared and so you're like, oh, no, I'm going to lose everybody soon. I'm not saying that because of that. What I'm saying is absolutely we need to be prepared for Jesus' return. But part of the way we do that, a big part of the way that we do that, is recognizing that everyone that you meet every single day, your parents, your siblings, your friends, people you don't know, the people that you make fun of, the people that make fun of you, you only have a limited amount of time in their lives. Not, not just if they pass or if you pass, but if they move or if they go to a different school or if something happens, if it, whatever. There's a limited amount of time. Uh, there's a music video from Terry's old band Nickelback that I saw back in the day. Uh, and I know that Nickelback is a band that you make fun of. Please keep listening. Um, but this video was better than anything else they did. And I always think of this video every day. That's not true, but I think of it a lot, as often as I think of Nickelback. And so, and so in this video, there are all these people running around, and there's a song going, and I have no idea what the song was. And, and Terry could tell you. And there's a song going, and above everyone's head is this countdown timer. And uh, some people have hours, some people have days, some people have years, some people have decades, some people have minutes, some people have seconds. And so in the video, like whoever the, the main person is, is running around and, and they have to help somebody whose timer is running down. And then that timer resets and all of that. And it, it's kind of a weird video, but it's a very good message. Because each of those people has a different timer and we don't actually see that timer. We don't actually know how much time we have in their life. A lot of us, and we're seeing this right now, waste so much time on arguing and on hating and on making fun of other positions and on political junk and on all of this stuff. When we should be spending time helping other people, when we should be spending time loving other people, when we should be spending time Instead of explaining your party's position or your opinion, saying, you know what, I love you no matter what. I am a child of the king and I'm going to act like it. I'm going to live like it. I'm going to post like it. Because whatever your next post is, whatever your next test is, text is, it may be your last one to whoever you send it to. And again, this is not something that's meant to scare you. Because I'm not talking about death. I'm talking about the time you have in their life. Uh, and, and the whole point is, don't waste that time. Uh, I can absolutely tell you stories where I've wasted time in people's lives, where I've had stupid arguments, where I've had my feelings hurt, or I've had someone else's feelings hurt, and we've lost touch, and, and I don't even know where they are anymore. And maybe it wasn't even bad, it's just we lost touch, and I miss them, and they miss me, but we don't talk, and, and whatever reason. Like, there are all kinds of stories like that. But in this life, we have one life, and I'm not doing the yellow joke again. But we have one chance, not Eminem's chance, but we have one chance. I'm going to stop quoting songs anytime now. We have one chance to make a difference. That does not mean you can't mess up because you're going to. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect because you're not. But it means that you recognize when you are wrong. You recognize when you do mess up and you make it right. You do your best to change it. You do your best to help other people. And you use that time 
So absolutely, always be ready for Jesus, but also always be ready to just be with people, to love people, to help people. The title of this message is For Good. And yes, that is a wicked reference, the musical, not the Boston slang. But it's, it's a reference from that. And, and I like doing that because it's fun for me, and I like just doing that because it's what I do. But this, the reason that I love that title is because For Good has multiple meanings, the way that you say it, and it's not grammatically correct in a certain way, so don't do that. But for good means for the rest of your life, for good, for the rest of time, however you want to say that. And so you want to make that decision to change for that. But it also means that we should live our lives for good, to do good, to not to do well, which is grammatically right, but to do good which is morally right, to do good things, to do good deeds, to show people who you really are every time you meet them. Again, you're going to argue with people and you're going to have stupid disagreements and you're going to post the wrong thing and you're going to have regrets and you're going to have guilt. All of those things are true. But you have two choices after that happens, when you're in the midst of the guilt or the anger or whatever else. You can be like, well, this is who I am now. And I'm not ever going back. I'm not going to apologize because I wasn't wrong. And I'm not going to forgive them because I wasn't wrong. And I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. You can do that. But your heart's going to shrink, just like I said last week with the Grinch. Or you could say, you know what? What am I doing? What, what am I even doing? I don't know how much time I have. I don't know how much time I'll know this person. I've got to make a difference. I have to be better. I have to be better today than I was yesterday, and so on and so on and so on. And again, and, and I know that you're young, and some of you are not young. You're young plus. No matter whether you're a teen right now, or you're an adult, or you're any other realm of the description, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, all you have to do to get another chance is to ask Jesus for forgiveness. And that's it. Like, He gives it to you. And then make a difference from there. Change your life for good. Change who you are. If you've had trouble with helping the lost, with seeking the lost, with caring about the, the, the 1% instead of the 99%, not financially, but, you know, in the terms of the parable. If you've had trouble caring about people that aren't like you, trouble caring about people who disagree with you, who believe differently, who act differently, whatever. If you've had trouble with that, well, tell Jesus, hey, I've had trouble, but I want to change. I want to make a difference in their lives. I want to make a difference in everyone's life. If you've had trouble forgiving, and all of us have at one time or another, and you've had trouble being empathetic and understanding other people, and you've had trouble with all of that, then go to Jesus and you say, hey, I've had trouble with this. Help me to do better. And it's not where he's going to snap your fingers and boom, you've done better. I've talked about how I used to have big anger problems and, and I had to work on that over time. But he will help you with that. If you've had trouble caring way too much about how other people are living their lives and not paying attention to how you're living yours, if you've been so focused on other people's uh, specks in their eyes and you're just letting these planks blind you, it's not too late. Because as long as there is life, there is hope. And again, I know most of you are young. And so you're thinking, I got time. And I've known people in my life that are like, as soon as I get to college, I'll change. As soon as I get to, to married, I'll change. As soon as I have a kid, I'll change. And you keep saying that, and you keep saying that, and you keep saying that. And those same people, more often than not, never change because it's too late. Not because Jesus gives up on them. 
but because they give up on Him, because they stop caring, because their heart goes away, or because something awful happens. I would love to be able to tell you how much time you have left, how much time we have left, how much time in each person's life you have left to make it easy for you, to give you the, the, the open book test, so to speak. I'd love to be able to do that, but I can't. And so, again, you're not going to be perfect, but you can do your best. This series is about Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven and telling us how to do better, telling us how to live better, telling us how to treat people better. Uh, there's a, a scripture, Matthew 7, 12. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. To modernize that a little bit because I went King James. Uh, it, it means treat other people like you want to be treated. It doesn't mean treat them like they treat you. It doesn't mean treat them like you expect to be treated. It doesn't mean treat them like they deserve. It means treat them like you would want to be treated. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you to go a step further than that. Treat everyone else, whether you agree with them or not. Treat everyone else, whether you like them or not. Treat everyone else, whether the same as you or way different. Treat everyone else as Jesus would treat them. And if you want to know how you look at these parables, you look at his life, you look at how he lived and how he treated other people. And he absolutely had disagreements with the Pharisees, but he didn't disagree with, with anger. He disagreed with understanding, with help. And whenever he would tell someone the truth, he would tell them gently. He would be honest, but he would tell them gently. And he would not hold it against them if they disagreed. Now, obviously, if they don't ask for forgiveness, that's on them. But all you can do is what you can do. And so whatever amount of time you have left, make a promise to yourself and to him and to everyone to do better. And maybe you're doing wonderful and that's awesome, but we can all do better. I would imagine, and I bring him up a lot, Billy Graham uh, would say right now, I could have done better. Now that's ridiculous for us to look at. Paul, he would, he'd say, I could have done better. That does not mean that they didn't do good. It doesn't mean that, that they didn't help. It doesn't mean that, that, that they didn't do a lot. It means that we can always do more. We can always be more. We can always help more. We can always show more good. Because I will tell you this. The thing most missing in the world is Christians actually showing Jesus' love. It's actually doing good, being good, helping people see what's good. Taking the judgment out of it. Not saying I'll pray for you like a threat. But praying for someone, whether they know it or not, and then showing them who you are and making a difference in their life. That's why we are here. Not just here in this live stream, not just here in this church, not just here in the city. That's why we are here in this life. And so absolutely, Jesus was saying, hey, be ready for me to come back. But the biggest part of that, after allowing him to, to, to change your life, to come into your life, to forgive you, is showing people who he is. Every step of the way. And when you mess up, ask for forgiveness and do better. Because you're not perfect. Don't hold yourself to that standard. But hold yourself to the love of Christ and to the understanding, the forgiveness that He shows you. Show that to others. And from here, for good, from now on, do good. That's all I got.